Welcome back to Nishant's World. If you are wondering, I'm Nishant. If you're wondering what Nishant's World is, it's where we forget about all real responsibilities, problems, stress, anything else, and we just talk about sports for a little bit. But I kind of want to ease into that today and uh, talk about something real to start with for a change. Because I'm recording this at a very unique vantage point in time. I'm recording this just a few hours before I journey back to Columbus, to Ohio State, uh, for my senior season, he said, (laughs) as if he was on the football team, Uh, for my senior year. And my senior year at OSU, uh, saying that is weird. (laughs) When I came up with the concept for the show and, and, you know, I realized it was going to be a little bit different. Yeah, I knew that, you know, it would be my senior year. And that was part of the reason why I wanted to do it differently. Uh, but now, talking about it and thinking about being on campus, it's, you know, a lot more real and kind of staring me in the face. And that's just something strange to think about because it doesn't feel like that long ago that I was doing my first show uh, in, uh, in SGSR studio as a freshman. And the giant break in between, you know, college uh, because of that one event, worldwide event (laughs) happening, uh, makes it feel like it's been a lot shorter. But yeah, it's it's senior year and and it's almost here and it's really crazy thinking about that. And now I feel like I'm at this weird point where I'm recording this and I'm aware of that fact. So it's really interesting to sit back. And it's making me think a lot about choices, about the fact that every day, you know, of college, you make choices. And not that you don't make choices in every other walk of life, but in, in a college experience, you, you make choices every day, every month, every year. And those choices will butterfly effect, will will will, will expand into new pathways, and new routes that your life takes. And going back to the roots of what I know how to talk about from freshman year and with the NFL, I think that there's a really big choice that's happening uh, in the NFL, a choice that's going to happen in the next couple days. And I think it's a choice that the person that has to make it, it has been putting off. And this choice, I think, will be tremendously impactful not just for the player that it the, the players involved not just for the team involved not just for the division or even this year i think this choice could have tremendous a tremendous butterfly effect for ensuing years and how things are done from now on and that choice is in new orleans with the saints where sean payton has to decide post drew Brees era who to give the ball to is it going to be Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston? If you've heard me talk about this subject before, you know my stance on this already. But I want to present it slightly different. Taysom Hill represents waiting for something that was promised. Jameis Winston represents not being promised anything, but maybe deserving it? The reason I say that is because for years and years, Sean Payton has been telling us, well, yeah, no, Taysom Hill is going to be the next thing. Taysom Hill is the backup. Taysom Hill is, has, you know, 
from from doing special teams, became the backup, uh, became in some games last season uh, the starter, which was mind-boggling, especially because Jameis Winston was also on the roster. And while it may have been in a season where he threw 30 interceptions, he also had thrown 30 touchdowns and thousands and thousands of yards. Jameis Winston had, had stuffed the stat sheet. Taysom Hill had, you know, less passing attempts that, than could fit on a stat sheet. It didn't qualify. And he was put in situations last season, for example, against a depleted Broncos team that physically could not start a quarterback. Was starting, they were starting a, a, like a wide receiver at quarterback. Against that team, yes, Taysom Hill looked fine, but he was given that opportunity. Jameis Winston has been given a drive here, a drive there, and it's perplexing how Sean Payton has let this uh, play out. I think that, you know, in all likelihood, people were waiting for Drew Brees to step off the field, and now that he finally has what's going to be the game plan. You see, the reason this impacts more than just New Orleans is because if Sean Payton gives the ball to Taysom Hill and Taysom Hill shows that he is a decent quarterback, which, by the way, is his ceiling, I think at this point it, he's over 30 and his ceiling is being a decent quarterback. Taysom Hill is not going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. That's not going to happen. He's not going to be top five. So his ceiling is a decent quarterback. And if that happens, nothing changes. Because that's basically what New Orleans was last season with Drew Brees. A team with a decent quarterback. Drew Brees was fading in his career, obviously. But he was still a decent quarterback. And, and, and everything stays the same. That's the best case scenario. If Sean Payton gives the reins to Taysom Hill and everything crashes and burns... What changes then? Tom Brady's almost done in Tampa Bay past these next couple of years. Uh, and that era of the win now for the Buccaneers is going to be over. Okay. And Carolina, maybe maybe Sam Darnold plays well. Maybe, maybe the Panthers kind of come back into the limelight a little bit. Maybe. The Falcons, Julio Jones left, end of an era. So if the Saints crash and burn, yeah, okay, maybe the Buccaneers win the division again. Maybe the the Panthers come back out of nowhere and win the division. Something like that. But does anything really change? No, not really. It's just that the Saints would be worse than they would normally be. Because in that best-case scenario, the Saints aren't doing anything in the playoffs. The the Saints are not winning the Super Bowl with Taysom Hill. That's not a in in the realm of possibility, even on my made-up planet of a show. I don't think the Saints win the Super Bowl with Taysom Hill at the helm. So that's that. Nothing changes from best case to worst case scenario. Not all that much for the Saints and not all that much for the league. But if Sean Payton goes the other way, if Sean Payton gives Jameis Winston the ball, let's look at the exact same scenarios. Worst case scenario, he puts up numbers like he did in Tampa Bay. That's the worst That's the worst case scenario. Yeah, he threw a lot of interceptions before his LASIK surgery. Uh, and now, as I call him LASIK Jameis, uh, he is, we don't know. 
But if he if he puts up the same numbers that he did in Tampa Bay, which why the, by the way, I think a lot of what is forgotten a lot of the time is that Tom Brady kind of changed that roster a lot, not just by being there, but by other additions and subtractions and changes with the Buccaneers. Jameis Winston did not play with the same Buccaneers team that Tom Brady did last year. Uh, so he did not have that Super Bowl winning team. It wasn't as if the quarterback change was everything. However, uh, he did put up some board numbers. So if Jameis does that exact same thing, well, the Saints, does anything really change? Aside from maybe a little more limelight being put on them? No. But the other scenario, the best case scenario, or anything above that worst case scenario, is that Jameis puts up better numbers than he did in Tampa Bay. Jameis puts up the yards and the touchdowns without as many interceptions. Maybe even he takes if he takes his interceptions down by a fraction of what they were, was that good? that's a good season. <laughs> if he doesn't turn the ball over as much, that's a good season. And he's capable of that. Because, as I was just talking about, he's not playing with the, the old Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster. He's playing with a fantastic New Orleans Saints roster. Jameis would be playing, playing with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. That's a radically different set. And granted, Jameis did have Mike Evans, but Jameis did not have the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, the four tight ends with Gronk and, and Cameron Braid, and the, the, the better offensive line, the better defense. He did not have that. The New Orleans Saints are built a lot better than that Tampa Bay team that Jameis played on was. And the Saints have been built this way for a long time. They've been primed. They've been in the playoffs. They've been robbed, arguably, of a Super Bowl appearance by one of the weirdest calls ever. They 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 have been there. They have been the subject they, the, on the receiving end of one of the biggest miracles ever, unfortunately for them. They've had some odd moments. So their roster is built for them to go that distance. And if Jameis plays better than he did in Tampa Bay from a turnover lens, even if the touchdown numbers and the yards reduce a little bit, if he plays that way that well, and by the way, a ridiculously good scheme, uh, a, an established coach like Sean Payton, I would predict he would play better. If that happens, who knows? The butterfly effect possibilities are, are, are immense. The Saints could definitely win the NFC South. They arguably, you know, you know, put it put it up to Tampa Bay versus versus the Saints. They arguably could have a better roster than Tampa Bay. They could win the division. They could go far in the playoffs. I mean, are they going to win the Super Bowl? Who knows? But at least it's a possibility. I think if Jameis plays well, it is a possibility that they are at least in the Super Bowl. I don't know what percentage that would be, but it's possible. I don't think it's possible with Taysom Hill. So, in those four scenarios, any game theorist, as I start that class in a couple days, uh, would tell you that Jameis is the right move. Any probability, whatnot, math, I don't care which subject you draw this from. It just, that's seems to be the right call. Either everything stays the same or everything has a potential to change for the better. And I think that's what Sean Payton has to do. And when, even when Drew Brees and, and Taysom Hill were splitting with him, I mean, Jameis came in and for what, what one, one, two plays and, 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 and threw the long ball still. He's been making the most out of the extremely limited opportunity provided to him. And I know that everyone who is listening, has had moments like that where 
you are given less opportunities than other people in however small or trivial the nature of the thing, but you've got to make the most of it. And Jameis has done as much as he could do. Now what he needs is a chance to prove that he can extend what he's provided in limited opportunities to a season, years, to be the leader of the team. It's time for the Saints, and yes, I'm about to say this, I apologize in advance, to eat a W. You gotta eat a few W's, Sean Payton. And that is my impassioned plea for Jameis Winston to take control of the Saints. Moving through the rest of the league, I'm going to stick with the NFL today. Uh, It's going to be a shorter show. Uh, I'm going to stick with the NFL today and just talk about a couple other things that have occurred. Taking a trip to the AFC, particularly to the AFC East. In New England, Bill Belichick has alluded to the fact that he is going to try to roll with Cam Newton, if possible. And they have Mac Jones now. Who is Mac Jones? (laughs) But they have Cam Newton. And I think that Bill Belichick is going to roll with Cam, at least to start, because while he has not confirmed to us that Cam is the definite starter... It fits with what Bill Belichick knows. Usually, when Belichick pivots from something that is established, it's for a very definite reason. And I don't think that Mac Jones or Brian Hoyer are going to be that much of a catalyst that he makes the change if Cam is not injured or unable to play. Is he the same 2015 MVP Cam Newton? No. But last year, in a lot of situations, they were close. Maybe needed a more, little more polish in some situations, and something that Belichick knows very, very well. When Tom Brady was in New England and the whole Jimmy Garoppolo kerfuffle happened, Bill Belichick was going to pivot to Garoppolo. It was a definite, it was a definite decision for a very clear reason, because he knew that the time was ticking, even though it was ticking a lot slower than all of us thought, because Tom Brady's still playing, but he knew. And that crashed and burned for organizational reasons, after doing with Kraft and Brady and all that. But but he knew, and it was for a specific reason. Bill Belichick giving the reins to Mac Jones right now as a rookie wouldn't follow that same pattern of logic. So I predict that week one, Cam is going to be the starter for New England. And he's going to be in a division with some young blood in it. I mean, you've got another fellow top pick on the Jets. You've got another, who is a rookie. You've got another, not rookie, but second year top pick on the Dolphins. And you've got another slightly older, but still young top pick on the Bills. So Cam is now in a situation where he has to face the upstarts. And if he gets that chance, I would lean to the fact that the Patriots are not as immobilized as one might seem. I trust Belichick more than pretty much any coach in history of sports. Trust to be successful. Last year, Belichick was faced with a new, radically new situation. This year, that situation isn't so new. And I would not bet against a guy that has proven time and time and time again 
that his his methods work. That's just a little flag that I want to plant in the AFC East. Now, continuing my journey around the NFL. Jamal Adams got extended today, earlier today of the date I'm recording, or technically, I guess, yesterday now. Uh, I hate when people do that past midnight, but I just did it anyway. Uh, Jamal Adams got extended. He and the Seahawks are continuing a four-year term and uh, for, for the Prez. I, that was a tweet. I did not come up with that. But uh, four years uh, extension for Jamal. This is a, ex- a move that was expected, a move that makes sense for both parties involved, and a choice that shows that the Seahawks are in the midst of their second window, which is going to depend, their second window is going to depend on the offensive coordinator. Shane Waldron, who they vultured from the Rams, for good reason, hopefully, is going to determine whether the Seahawks, who are, is as of the past few years, not successful in the postseason, if the Seahawks can break through that barrier. If the Seahawks can take advantage of one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, yes, Russell Wilson is, of a burgeoning young defense with some older players that can still get it done, if the Seahawks can utilize all their weapons, of which they have many, in the toughest division in football, to break through the barrier and show that they are a championship team. There have been rumors upon rumors upon rumors for a while. Russell Wilson's going to leave. Didn't happen. Jamal Adams going to go. Didn't happen. Or the deal is not going to get done. Dwayne Brown is the card that's left up in the air. They're going to sign him. Otherwise, they would be in trouble. I mean, K.J. Wright, I would predict, between them and Vegas, I, I think the Seahawks have a fairly good shot of bringing him back. And all these players coming back means that this second window, which no one knew that they would get until Russell Wilson turned into a megastar after being a pretty good quarterback for the first few years, till he turned into an elite, top-tier, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, some years probably the best. Until then, they didn't know they had a second window. Now they do. But Shane Waldron has a lot on his shoulders. Because this Jamal Adams signing means that last year's squad worked except for a few things. And they're going to roll with that. There can't be plays this year where we take an intentional delay of game penalty and punt from the opposing side of the field in an important game against a divisional rival, which the Seahawks did. That can't happen this year because the league is moving forward. The Jamal Adams signing means that most is going to stay the same from last year. And if Jamal Adams can stay healthy this year, it's going to create a huge impact on the defensive end. So the offense needs to keep up. The second half of the season when Jamal was playing, the defense was a top 10 defense. Transformed from a defense that was on pace to be the worst of all time. Jamal and Quandre and Bobby and hopefully KJ. Young guys, Rasheem Green, Puna Ford. This defense is going to have what it takes. Is the offense going to have what it takes? 
that's up to Shane Waldron. And I think that the Seahawks making that choice and making this choice and, and, and all the choices in between prove that they are on the edge of something great. I keep coming back to this doorstep concept. Do they have what it takes to turn the page in a division where the Cardinals seem to have and opened the door to every star known to man, uh, you know, with, with additions, the J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, and they're, they're coming. The Rams upgraded a quarterback with Matt Stafford, which quarterback was probably their weakest position. The Niners are coming, as they always are. So can Seattle be the best of the best? Seattle can't rely on its established success for the past decade anymore. Seattle has to turn the page and take control. And that's what I guess we'll see. So a shorter episode today. But I hope that everybody was able to unplug a little bit and truly get away from it all. As I mentioned before, I am going to be on a flight in a few hours, headed back to Columbus. I will see you all at Ohio State. And as always, safe travels back to Earth.